Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to his name. We serve an awesome God, don't we? I don't think there's anything more beautiful than when the congregation sings unto the Lord. Amen. To hear your voices lifted up. I mean, I know it's nice in my ears, but I can only imagine how beautiful it is in the ears of the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 20. As we're turning our Bibles there, we're going to dismiss our children to Children's Ministry Kids Dome. Matthew chapter 20. You want to take that? Okay. The book of Matthew chapter 20, and we'll begin reading in verse 20. When you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him, with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those to whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to come be, become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let us pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you so very much, God, for your word this morning. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. We thank you for the reminder of your great love toward us. And Father, this morning, we just humble ourselves before you, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our ears, that we may hear what you are saying to your church, and that you would be glorified in us, my God. I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, and that you, Lord God, would cause us to hear your words with faith, responding to you, Lord God, in repentance and obedience, and decisions, Lord God, not just to hear what you're saying, but, Lord, to live out your truths. We pray this all in Jesus' great name. Someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so we are continuing in our series. It's time for revision. If you do not have an outline, raise your hand so the ushers can get you an outline. If you don't have one, lift it up so that way they can get one to you. Very important to us that you do have an outline. These outlines are utilized for two things. One of them is that you can take notes during the preaching. You can write things down like questions. There's some, there's, some que there's some questions in the outlines, and you can write down some answers there as well. But you can write down answers. You can write down your thoughts, and you can write down questions. The second reason why these outlines are utilized is because every week we get together on um, different nights of the week or different days of the week, and we have a time of fellowship, and we call those our Connect Life Groups. And what we do is we get together, we discuss the sermons, 
We talk about what's being preached. We have time to dig into the scriptures a little bit more, have time to challenge each other, have time to encourage one another. And so my great encouragement for you is that you would be sure that if you are not part of a Connect Life group, that you see Pastor Chad, and Pastor Chad will get you connected and figure out where it is that you'll best fit in as far as your schedule and the demographic of where you live. But it is important to us that you do get get connected because it is when we are connected with one another that we are able to grow in the fullness the way that God wants us to. Amen? All right, so we are continuing on in our, in, in our series here. It's time for revision, and actually this is going to be the last sermon of the four. And so every week we get together and we say that we are committed to loving God. We are committed to growing together. We are committed to reaching others, and we are committed to serving. And so today we are going to speak on that topic of serving, obviously looking at the scripture that is chosen this morning. It is for that purpose, to encourage us in this area of serving and to challenge us. And so Looking at your outline with me, <clears throat> as we close the, the, our revision series, one of the greatest characteristics that should be evident in the life of a believer is that of servant. A heart to serve is evidence of a heart that has been changed by grace. The one thing that is for sure is that when you are really changed by the grace of God, when your heart has really been impacted by God's grace, there is something that automatically happens. And it is, it is first of all, a gratefulness that occurs because you realize that God has saved you. But then all of a sudden, something else happens where you just want to serve. You just want to do something because of what God has done in your life. It's like you want to give back because you've received of his goodness. And so one of the clear evidences that is there that you've been impacted by the grace of God is that you desire to serve. And now we're all at different levels, and we learned something last week as we were talking about evangelism. There is a gift of an evangelist that the Bible speaks of, but all Christians are called to evangelize. And so we know that this is true. There's someone that is called to be an evangelist, that's called to be a leader within the church, that is an evangelist meant to equip the saints, meant to lead the saints in the way that they're supposed to do what? That they're supposed to reach the lost and be able to impart that heart to them. But the same thing is true when it comes to the gift of serving. There is a gift of serving. There are people that are gifted in this way. This is literally their spiritual gift, the gift of service. And so that's the truth, but here's the reality. The same way that there is a gift of evangelism and everybody is to evangelize is the same way that there is a gift of serving, but every one of us is called to serve. It's not just, okay, well, I don't have the gift of serving, so I'm, I, I, can check, I can check out. I don't have to worry about serving. That's not true. Everyone who is called a believer is called to serve in some capacity. Again, we must, we, we must always ensure that our hearts are right in our service. Our motive must be, and remember we talked about that one big thing, it is to please the Lord based upon his great love toward us. We must ensure that we are not serving to earn favor or serving out of guilt, but out of grace and for God's glory. Let me say that again. It is important that we ensure that we are not serving to earn favor. A lot of people serve because they want to earn something. We serve because we want to get something. We serve, you know, you see this in marriages sometimes, just sometimes. Let me flip it around. Usually I would say the husband, but you know, sometimes you're the best wife. Amen, because you want something, glory to God. I know, I know it's not popular, but I'm just going to say it. Sometimes you're the best wife, you know, you're, you're the extra sweet, you know, all of that good stuff, because you would like something. The same thing for the husband. Sometimes we're just extra, extra amazing. And it's because you want something. Now, can I tell you something? For those of you that are married in here, usually we all want something different, all right? The husband wants one thing, the wife wants something else. You know, one of them is shopping, the other one, I won't say what it is, but anyway. They both start with S, but here's the thing. 
typically, right? We, we do that. We serve. You know, we, we know exactly what is expected of us, and we do it because we want to earn something. And can I tell you something? It is the same way in our relationship with God many times. Many times we serve out of this desire to earn something from God. We serve because we feel like we have to do stuff to earn stuff, to gain stuff. The mindset that we have to have is that Jesus earned everything for us. Because of his sacrifice, we have earned, we, we, we have received, we don't, we're not earning anything. Now, we are walking in it, amen? We're growing in those things that God has for us. And so it's important for us to keep that mindset. And then the other one is this, is that sometimes we serve out of guilt. We serve out of guilt, and, and we can use marriage again as an example. Sometimes we do something, you know, messed up, and we hurt our spouse, and all of a sudden we're serving, not because we're trying to earn something other than forgiveness. That's what we're trying to earn. But the reality is what happens is we end up serving out of guilt. And for Christians as well, sometimes we feel like, man, I have to do all these things because I've been so bad, because I've done so much wrong. Because I've done so many things that are, you know, unrighteous and we're trying to somehow serve. And that way we hope that one day we can somehow appease this guilty feeling that we have. But the reality is what, church? That we need to realize that our guilt was bore on the cross. If we repent of our sin, if we confess our sin, the Bible says that God is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He didn't say if we serve for a month then he'll forgive us. He didn't say if we serve perfectly, he'll forgive us and we no longer need to feel guilty. Listen, the moment that you trust Jesus, you should no longer feel guilty. Now, if you are sinning, then you should feel guilty. Hello. Can, 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 can we clarify that for a moment? <clears throat> because I, I believe in this grace and I believe that I'm not guilty because of what? Because of what Jesus did. But if I am living in sin, I should feel guilty. If I'm practicing sin, I should feel guilty. The moment that I sin, even though Jesus' righteousness is sufficient, I shouldn't feel like, well, it's all right. Jesus died for that sin, so I don't need to feel guilty. No, time out. You need to feel the sting of conviction of sin. You need to feel the sting of that guilt when you sin against God, when you dishonor him. And listen, can I tell you something? One of the telltale signs that you are really walking with Jesus is when you sin, how you feel. Are you hearing me? See, if you don't feel bad when you sin, there's a problem. I didn't say to feel condemned. See, condemnation and conviction are two different things. See, condemnation leaves you with no hope. Conviction leaves you with hope. Because when I feel convicted because of my sin, I go to who? My advocate, and I ask for forgiveness, and I confess that sin to him. And I recognize that I no longer have to wallow in that sin because he has delivered me of that sin. Condemnation, on the other hand, makes me feel like there is no hope. There's no hope. I, who, where, where do I go when I'm being condemned? And so here's the thing. We serve because of the right things. We serve out of grace. I don't serve because Bishop said I got to get up and serve. I don't serve because they say it every Sunday that we serve. I don't serve because of those things. I serve because of the grace of God and for the glory of God. Here's the thing that I want you to understand, church. God has gifted each of you and empowered you to serve and edify his body. Did you hear what I said? If you are a child of God, understand this, please. God has gifted you. He has empowered you. And that way you can serve in his body. And your service within the body of Christ brings edification to their brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. So the first thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. And this is a long one. So we're going to be together for a moment. Say, glory in the kingdom, glory in the 
of God is not received, measured, or exercised as it is in the kingdom of men. Glory in the kingdom of God is not received, measured, or exercised as it is in the kingdom of men. And so what we find here in verse 20 is we find this woman, and it's it's a mom who is coming on behalf of her children. She's speaking to Jesus, and she kneels down before Jesus, the Bible says, and she asks something of him. So the first thing we see is that she comes in with a humble heart. She comes in with a right, with, with, with a right posturing at least, but she was asking the wrong question. Hello. What she does is she comes and she asks a question. She says, let that my two sons, one sit at your right hand and the other one sit at your left. And so she was asking for them to have position of prominence. And many people believe that her sons were not not innocent in this whole thing, but that they feel that her sons went to her and said, listen, mom, go and ask Jesus. She was Jesus' aunt. Hello. Come on, ma. Go ask cuz. Right? Go ask him. You got some favor with him, you know. You took care of him when he was a baby. You, you know, you changed some diapers. Hello. Hello. You've you've been there with him. And so she communicates this to Jesus, and Jesus is there, and he's like, he asks this question. And every time that I read this, this messes me up because Jesus asked him this. He says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? And these guys, out of their minds, say, yes, we are. (laughs) Like, really? Really? Like, are you, 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 you're saying that you're going to drink the cup of suffering, that you're going to go through all of this crucifixion. And surely they did, because according to biblical history, you know, James was beheaded. He was the first one who was martyred, right? He drank the cup all right. He was baptism with the baptism. He was the first one. And John, according to history, this guy was boiled and then didn't die. And then he ended up being exiled to the island of Patmos. Live there for the rest of his days. And so what we see here is that these two guys, they respond. I think they respond in a totally wrong way. They should have been like, no, but, you know, whatever we got to do to get the position, that would have been a better answer. Right? But they were like, yeah, we can do this. They're like, yo, come on, whatever you want us to do. But the point is that Jesus has this conversation, and he utilizes because the Bible says that, his, that the other disciples became indignant, right? And I always think, why were they indignant? Were they indignant because they were so humble or because they didn't ask the question first? Which one was it? Because, you know, sometimes people, you know, remember Judas? He's like sitting there and they're, and they're, and they're, they're dump this oil on Jesus' feet. And he's like, hold on a second. He's like, why wasn't, that much, why wasn't that perfume sold so we could give to the poor? Judas didn't care about the poor. He just cared about his pocket. Right? And see, some of us, we act all righteous. Like, this really bothers me for righteous reasons. But really, it's just selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, knowing the heart of his disciples, he calls them to himself. And this is what he does. Here here Jesus again instructs his disciples on the connection between greatness and humility in the kingdom. The higher, and I remember years and years ago, the Lord put this on my heart. The higher the Lord elevates us in this earth, the, the more humble we must become. The more elevated God brings us into this earth, the more humble we must become. We get promoted at work. You shouldn't become prideful and arrogant. You should be the kind of boss that wants to serve from the position that you've been given. As God promotes us, as God elevates us, let me say it like this. It is this. We can never allow elevation in position to inflate our hearts. 
We can never allow our hearts to become swollen like this. And so what we realize is a couple of things. The first thing is this. In this world, we usually receive position and promotion based on certain factors like our abilities or our education or our heritage. Yet, in the kingdom of God, everything we receive has been established for us in eternity past and is a gift from God. Do you hear what Jesus said to them? Look what Jesus says here. He says to them, verse 23, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And so here's the thing. Do we really earn anything? Could they have done anything to change God's mind? Who was going to sit on the right hand or the left hand? I don't know who that was going to be, but here's what I do know. What I do know is this, is that according to the scriptures, it wasn't based upon someone's knowledge or education or their social status or their family lineage. It wasn't based upon someone's abilities or someone's anything. It was based upon God's preordained plan. And what we need to do is we, that, that's the reason why Jesus taught us to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is where? In in heaven because there is a will that is established in heaven and when you and I submit ourselves unto the will of God in heaven then you know what begins to happen we begin to automatically walk into everything that God has already established for us in the heavens see too many of us we get caught up in this whole thing of trying to be who we are not rather than being who God has called us to be remember there's an old old song it says I wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller remember that song Right? But that's the mindset that many of them, look, I'm a shorter guy, so, you know, I'm always like, yo, I wish I was about three or four inches taller, you know, especially on the basketball court, right? I'm just saying. But here's the deal. The, the, the reality is some of us wish I had more money instead of just being content with what God has given you. Some of us wish I was married. Others of us wish I wish I was single. Instead of recognizing where God has you at this very moment, living out these truths. I wish I had this. I wish I was that. I wish I was gifted this way. I wish I was talented this way. And we think, and we try to figure out ways that we can somehow get these things, but God has not predestined those things for us. We need to learn to walk in what God wills for us. The first thing is that, is that God, we don't receive things the same way in this earth as we do from the Lord. Second thing is, In this world, we usually measure greatness by position, authority, the respect of others. Usually, you know, hey, man, that's a person you got a lot of respect. Everybody's, you know, they they bow to him or they bow to her. You know, she's got this thing on lock. But here's the thing. In the kingdom of God, greatness is measured by our service. Look what Jesus goes on to say. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, verse 25, lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. So what we recognize is, first of all, position is not received the same way in this world as it is in the kingdom of God. The second thing is that in this world, the way that we measure greatness is not by our position, it's by our service. So my question is, how is your serving? 
How well do you serve? And I'm not just talking about in church. I mean, in church, that's important. And we, I mean, that, that, that's a given that you should be serving based upon your gifts. But in your workplace, do you go above and beyond? Can I tell you something? You don't enter into the place of service on a real level until you are willing to go above and beyond. Because if I only do what I got to do, then I'm only doing what I'm getting paid to do. Hello? You know, being there early, helping someone else out. I know it's not your job. That's called serving. That's called you want to be first. You want to, well, the way that that's exercised or, or the way that that is acted out is by us serving. The third thing is this. In this world, authority is usually exercised by lording it or making people know who the boss is. Hello. See, sometimes that's how, we, that's how we want to be. Like, everyone needs to know who I am. They need to know my name, or they need to know my title, or they need to know my degree, or they need to know what I've earned. Hello. But in the kingdom of God is a totally different thing. In the kingdom of God, authority is exercised in our service. Listen to this. The greater authority we have, the greater ability we have to serve. The greater platform that we have because God elevates us, the more we are able to serve. Listen, the more, and just think about it this way. The more money you have, the more you are able to do what? You are able to utilize that for the kingdom of God. The more gifts you have, the more you are able to minister to other people. The more abilities you have, the more you are able to serve to be of a benefit and to bring edification to the body of Christ and glorification to the name of your God. See, when we recognize this, and, and, and what, what I'm saying is that Jesus instructs his disciples in the principle of servant leadership. Say servant leadership. See, servant leadership, that should be the mark of every true leader in the body of Christ. I love what somebody said. I wish I could say that I came up with it. But the bottom line is this, is that we have too many superstars in the pulpit, not enough servants. Too many people that want to be famous, too many people that want to be respected, too many people that want to be honored but don't understand that God has elevated them so they can serve the body. See, I love those preachers, and let me just balance this out. I love those preachers that are doing everything they can to build the body of Christ, that are serving faithfully, that are doing what God has called them to do. And listen, I want you to know something. Being a person that understands what you're gifted with is part of you being able to serve faithfully. Here's the thing. If I'm a person and my primary gift is to preach and teach, you know what I should be doing? I should be preaching and teaching. I shouldn't be sitting and doing administrative stuff because that's not my priority. That's not my top gift. Hello. There's someone else who could be much more effective in those areas. If there is someone else who has gifts, they need to serve in those things. And so we need to recognize how it is that, we've been, that, that we have been called to serve. And what Jesus is doing is he's teaching, he's instructing his disciples in this principle of servant leadership. And what marked the life of Jesus was his ability to serve and his willingness to serve. Second thing, I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, as we serve, we reflect our Savior. As we serve, we reflect our Savior. Jesus said this clearly. He goes on to say in verse 28, he said, he said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but I mean, not, not, not to be served, but to serve. So he doesn't just teach it. He's exemplifying it. All of these days, all of this time that he's been on this earth, he has been doing what? He's been serving. We looked through the book of Matthew last week, and what we realized is that Jesus exemplifies for us the principles he taught on servant leadership. Last week, we learned what about Jesus' authority? 
He did what? He taught with authority. He cast out demons with authority. He healed with authority. He had authority to forgive sin, and yet all of his authority was used for the good of others and not his personal benefit. Did you hear that? All of the authority he had wasn't so people could serve him, wasn't so people could bow before him, wasn't so people would respect him. As a matter of fact, when people respected and honored him, he was able to do what? He was able to do more miracles. He was able to do more things because he said in one portion of the gospel, he said that a prophet is without honor in his own home. And you know what it said preceding that time? It said that he wasn't able to do so many miracles. Why? Because people didn't recognize who he was. And so when they recognized who he was, he didn't walk around with a big head like, yeah, I'm the man. That isn't how he walked around. He didn't walk around like he was the one who people need to bow to. He came to this earth to serve. He came to this earth to be a servant. And that way he could show us how we are supposed to live and how we're supposed to interact with one another. You remember when Jesus was in the the upper room in the last supper with his disciples, right? And you remember what he did, right? He took off his outer garments And he got down, he got a bowl, and he started to wash his disciples' feet. You know what he told his disciples? He said, we're supposed to do this one to another. Now, there's some churches that they actually wash feet. What I I believe is I think when we look at the Scriptures, the Scriptures teach something pretty clearly. They teach that that was in a cultural time something that they did because it was necessary. Today, we don't walk around in sandals. That's just the reality. And so we're not walking around through dusty streets all the time, coming into people's homes, and we don't have servants who are sitting by our door ready to wash people's feet as they walk in the door. Are you hearing me? That was the custom of those days. And so the principle is what? That we are to serve one another even in the most menial task. It wasn't that we had had foot washing ceremonies. And listen, I have no issue with foot washing ceremonies. There's nothing wrong with that. I've been part of some where tears are flowing and we get to see this picture of what Jesus did. And so I've been part of that. But my point is, Jesus wasn't saying just wash someone's feet. He was saying what? He was saying serve one another. Serve as I serve. That's what he was communicating to them. And so he gives them this, this example. And here's what we have to learn, church. We have to learn the power that there is in serving. There, there, there's power when we serve. But here's what we need to realize. This is the great power. Above all else, we must realize that we can never imitate God more clearly than in us serving. I want you to write these scriptures down. The book of Psalm chapter 54 and verse 4. In the book of Psalm chapter 54 and verse 4, it says that God is my helper. You know what a helper is, right? A helper is an aid. It's someone who serves someone else. In the the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 26, it's speaking of the Holy Spirit. and and, And the Bible calls the Holy Spirit what? A helper. Now, when I learned this was when I was doing premarital counseling because the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God created a helper for Adam. And a lot of times when we think of the word helper, we think of someone who is subservient. Can I ask you a question? Is God subservient to you? He is not subservient to you or I in any way, shape, or form. He is not our servant in the sense that he is at our every beck and call. He is there to serve us, to aid us, to be with us in order to help us do the things that he's called us to do. 
He's there to strengthen us in the areas where we need his strength. He's there to strengthen us where we need his grace. And so what we realize is that when we take the position of service, when we take the position of servant, we are doing our best to reflect. We are bearing the imago Dei, the image of God. We're bearing his image because God, who is the creator of all, decides that he is going to serve all of his creation. That's what he decides he's going to do. He decides he's going to help mankind to live the life that he's, that he's created them to live. That's what he decides. He decides to come in the power of the Holy Spirit to serve us, to be with us, to be beside us, to lead us and guide us. That's what he does. He doesn't come to be less than us. But what he does is he utilizes his position to elevate others. Hello. That's what he does. And that's what someone who serves does. The third thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our purpose will never be fulfilled apart from our service. Our purpose will never be fulfilled apart from our service. See, here's what I want you to realize. What I want you to realize is that when we look at the scriptures, what we find is that Jesus is here and he comes to this earth. He said what? He came to this earth to serve. He came to this earth in order to serve, not to be served, and to give his life a ransom for many. And here is the truth. If our Savior could not fulfill his purpose outside of serving, what makes you and I think that we could serve or, or fulfill our purpose outside of serving? The reality is that we cannot. You and I cannot fulfill our purpose in God without us having this heart to serve. It's impossible. Our Savior had to serve. His purpose was fulfilled in his service. And so we have the same exact thing. And, and, and see, so, so what happens is our example, which is Jesus, we will never fulfill that purpose without that. I want you to turn your Bibles really quickly to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, and ver, and verse, chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. 1 Peter. And we'll start reading in verse 7. When you got it, say so. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. It says this. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. Without grumbling, in verse 10, this is where I want you to focus. As each one has received a gift, pause for a moment. As each one, say each one. Everyone in this place, he's speaking. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, you have received a gift. Because the Bible says it, not because I said it. Each one has received a gift. He goes on to say, minister it to one another. Did he say boast about it? Did he say brag about it? Did he say make sure everyone knows about it? He said, hey man, make sure everyone knows you're gifted. Make sure everyone knows how talented you are. Make sure everyone knows what gift you have received. That isn't what he said there. He says minister it. And when he says that word minister, he means that that word minister there is to serve with it, to serve by it. Look what he says. He says minister it to who? 
to one another. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now look, we talk about grace all the time, but what happens is by grace, we have all been gifted. By grace, we have all been talented. By grace, we have been given certain things. And so what he says is that you are a good steward. What is a steward? A steward is someone who oversees something that doesn't belong to them. Are you hearing me? They're going to give an account for what they have been entrusted with. And so each of us has been given gifts. Each of us has been given at least one gift that God is going to call us to account for. Are you hearing me? I hope you understand this. I hope the weight of this is sinking in, that each of us has been gifted And if you have been gifted, you know, to him who much is given, much is required. And so no matter what, you're like, yeah, but I don't have that gift. No, I don't care about the gift you don't have. What gift do you have? See, God is not going to ask you about all the gifts that you don't have. That's not what he's going to ask you. He's going to ask you about the gifts you do have. He is going to ask you about what gifts he gave you. The moment that you came to him, he's going to ask you about those gifts. He says, because we're doing what? We are good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Because God gives, and when the gifts of God come, guess what happens? He is, he is imparting grace unto us, his children, and that way we can share that grace with one another. And so we are doing that. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or serves... Let him do it as with the ability which with God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so what he's saying here is this. He's saying if you are a, if you are a person who is called, there's really two categories. I mean, we got like, I don't know how many gifts there are. You know how many gifts there are in the gifts of the spirit class? Many. many. There's many gifts. There's many. There are eight in, Rome, in, in, Hebrew, in, in Romans chapter 12, right? It's, it talks about, about eight there. But here's the thing. There's more than that. And so we go through them in our gifts of the spirit class, but there are a lot of gifts there. The point is this, is that even though we have different categories for them, there are really two categories that they break down into. There are the ones that are the vocal ones, the ones that are seen, the ones that are prominent. So those are the ones that we always correlate. Like, okay, well, he's gifted, right? Because he's the preacher, he's a pastor, he's a teacher, she's a teacher, prophetess, whatever. And so those vocal gifts, and so what he says is this. He says, for you who are called to speak, you are the ones that are, that are called to be leading in that, in that capacity. He's He's like, you know what? You speak as the oracles of God. You know what he's saying? He says, speak with fear and trembling. Don't just talk like you can just say whatever you want. No, you need to really humble your heart before God. You really need to come before God. Spend time with him. You need to be in with him. If you are a person that's called to preach or to teach or to be one who has got vocal gifts for God, you need to make sure that those gifts are subjected unto him. As the oracles of God, I'm not speaking my words. I don't listen. When I get up here on Sunday morning, I'm not talking for Jason. I'm speaking for Jesus. I am his ambassador. I am his representative. And so when I speak, I speak as though the words that I'm speaking are life because they are life. I'm speaking as though the words that I'm speaking are truth because they are truth. I believe what I'm saying. I'm not just getting up here going through the motions. Hello. Trust me, I wouldn't have a sore throat every Monday morning if I was just going through the motions. I'm just saying. But the reality is, is that that's how we should. But then he says, for those who serve, he says, for those who are serving, for those who, who, who are ministering, we are supposed to do it with the ability which with God supplies. 
And so those other gifts are the one side of the ones that are the vocal ones, the ones that are seen. But then there are the other ones that are the behind-the-scenes gifts. There are gifts of administration. There's gifts of service, like I talked about, gifts of hospitality, those different gifts that are there. I was so blessed. You guys didn't get to experience this. And I'm going to put my sister on the spot here, my sister Vanessa. I don't know where she is. Is she in here right now? She is in, she is, she is in here, Vanessa Morgan. And, um, and, and so she didn't know I was talking about her. She thought I was talking about another Vanessa. But anyway, when we were doing the video, I know you guys saw the videos that we did for our Connect videos, for, the, for those of you who haven't seen them. But I will never forget we were doing the videos, and, and she was sharing about her um, Connect experience. And as she was talking about how she was honored to be able to serve, you know, it's one thing when someone is saying they're honored, right? It's another thing when they're holding tears back because it is such an honor for them to be able to serve in a certain capacity. And see, what she's doing, listen, nobody would even really, I mean, other than the people that go to her connect group and, you know, see the way that she hosts. And I've been there a couple of times. She's very hospitable. I mean, just a real blessing, right? And so, you know, ultimately, here's the thing. Most people wouldn't even know that. But you know what? It's between her and Jesus. Her service is between her and her Savior. And so when we're called to serve with whatever ability you have been given that ability to serve, then he says what? He says to do that, to serve that way. See, Jesus is the one who gives us the example of how to serve. He said, I didn't come. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, here's the thing. When I serve, I should be serving with the right heart. See, when I preach, I don't get up here and preach and, and, and I'm mad about it. Hello. Man, I got to be a preacher. I'm just so upset. You know? Vanessa's like, man, I'm a host. I got a host. I can't believe this, you know. Oh, I'm an usher, man. I love ushering. This is the worst job ever. I'm just doing this for the glory of Jesus. I mean, what kind of junk is that, right? Oh, I'm a children's ministry teacher. This is the worst job ever. I hate these kids. I can't stand this job, but glory to God. Like, is that how God wants us to serve? No. Oh, this music ministry, I hate singing, but glory to God, right? I've been gifted with this talent, you know? Just, just crazy stuff, man, right? The attitudes that people have. But here's the thing. Some of us have the wrong heart when it comes to serving. See, we should be serving out of gratitude. We should be serving. See, here's the thing. Jesus never asked us to pay him back for the price that he paid. But you know what should happen? We should feel the weight of the price that was paid for us and live every day of our life wanting to pay him back. You see, it's not until we understand this gospel. See, that's the reason why we repeat this gospel every week. See, when I understand, see, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about me today. I'm, I'm not going to use the general term. If you're in here today, every one of us falls into this category of being sinners, right? Every one of us. Fallen. But see, me, I knew this. Every night... When I went to bed, I knew I was on my way to hell. I knew that if I didn't wake up in this earth, I was waking up in hell. Seriously. There was no question about this. I knew how much of a wretched, horrible sinner I was. And the night that Jesus saved me, the night that I understood what that sacrifice really meant, what happened was I came from the place of being God's enemy to now being God's son. 
And every day from that day forward, imperfectly, let me tell you something, you are looking at an imperfect man, amen? Amen. Say amen. amen. Your bishop is imperfect. I want to remain imperfect, and that way you don't ever get your eyes focused on me, but you focus on Jesus. Now listen, I'm growing in perfection, I'm growing in grace, I'm, gr- I'm getting closer to God and all of that stuff, but I will never arrive at the place of perfection while there is still oxygen in my lungs. Hello. And so here's the thing. Every one of us is sinners, God's enemy by nature. And when I understand that God decided in his graciousness, in his love, and in his kindness to come into my life, that he decided to die on that cross for me, that he decided to shed his blood for me, there is something that clicks inside of me. I want to please him. I want to honor him because he delivered me from an eternity separated from him, Suffering. Hello. See, that is what the gospel is, church. And when I understand that, you know what, when I start thinking about it, even after I became a Christian, even in my most perfect days, I was still imperfect. Can I tell you when my most perfect days were? My most perfect days were like the first three years of my Christianity. So I thought. And I think I told you this story. I went to New York for the first time when I was 30 years old. And when I went up there, I got in contact with one of my mentors, Felix Arroyo. And when Felix came over to the, to the, um, when he came over to the hotel, him and I were talking. And as, actually, we were eating dinner. And when we were talking over dinner, he said something to me. And he was like, yeah, you know how Jason was or Jason is. And I was like, what do you mean how Jason is? I'm like, dude, I was the holiest dude when I was back in those days when you were at church. He's like, yeah, bro, you had a little chip on your shoulder. I'm like, what? I was crushed because I thought I was so holy. I was so righteous. Listen, my heart was right before Jesus. I love Jesus with all of my heart, but you want to know what? I was still being molded and I'm still being molded. Hello. The only thing is I recognize the molding now. Glory to God. Back then, I was so overwhelmed with the glory of Jesus. I was this prideful little guy that thought he had all these answers. Hello. He knew it all. He always had an answer. He couldn't shut up. I still can't shut up. That's why I'm a preacher. Glory to God. I know y'all are wishing I would shut up. Amen. It's 12.02. I'm almost done here. But here's the thing. The thing is, when I, when, I, when I came to that place of understanding what Jesus did, you know why I couldn't shut up? Because that was the gift that God gave me. And all I wanted to do was bring glory and honor to him. All I wanted to do was honor and magnify him. I wanted to make sure that he was lifted up. And so here's the thing, church. We have to have the right heart. See, the reason why I serve Jesus, you know, people ask me, can you lose your salvation, this and that? Can I tell you something? Why would I walk away from something so good? I'm just saying. Why would I walk away from this Savior that paid this great price? Because here is the truth. The truth is, even after I became a Christian, you know what I realized? This is what I realized. What I realized is that I could never be righteous enough to save myself. And so it wasn't just my wretched before Christ state. It is my after I came to Jesus state where I can say like Paul, there is this other law that operates inside of me. And I recognize this sinful nature that still operates. And that tells me you couldn't save yourself, but God still saved me. And you know what? He offers salvation to anyone and everyone who hears the preaching of the gospel. So if you're in here today, guess what? You may be a separated person from God. You may be God's enemy, but God offers you hope through the cross. 
He offers you hope through the sacrifice that Jesus made. And all he asks is this. I told you all this last week. The sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. The Bible says, repent, believe, tells you to be baptized. Repent and be baptized. That's what it says. Put your faith, believe what the Bible says, that Jesus is God the Son, that Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God, meaning that he was the perfect sacrifice for your sin, meaning that he was the only one who could save you. And you know what the beauty of it is, is that he died in our place, shed his holy blood for us, and believe this, that he rose again on the third day, showing us that he is God the Son, showing us that he has power over sin, he has power over death, and that nothing can hold him down, and nothing can keep him from changing your life. And what he does is in exchange for your sin and for your unrighteousness and your inability to please him, he gives you his righteousness. He clothes you in his holiness, and he calls you his son, he calls you his daughter. That's what he does. That's the beautiful Savior that we have. And so my closing questions, and I have a few of them for you, is this. The first one is, do you have a heart to serve? That's the first question. Do you have a heart to serve? Amen. The second question is, where do you have a heart to serve? The first question is, do you have a heart to serve? Is there a gratefulness inside you that says, God, I want to do something for your glory? I don't know what it is, but I want to do something for your glory. The second one is, where do you have a heart to serve? The third one is, are you serving? Listen, we have a process here for people to go through. It's part of our discipleship process. Get you plugged into our mentoring program. And not this Wednesday, the following Wednesday, phase one, phase two, and phase three will start up again for our mentoring program. And that's part, (coughs) part of us making disciples, helping you develop in the basic foundations, your ability to evangelize, understanding the gifts of the Spirit, and and, and understanding what God calls his leaders, okay? But here's the thing. If you want to serve, you should get plugged in to that ministry, and that way you can do what? You can find out where you're going to serve. You can show that you desire to serve. That's part of our process. But see, my last question is this. If you're serving, are you serving with the right heart? If you're serving, are you serving with the right heart? See, serving is all about what? It's all about the one who came and served us. It's all about the one who became the servant of all so that he could save us and he could deliver us. And he took his high position and served us for his glory and honor. And so you know what? If you don't have a heart to serve, I call you to repentance today. If you do not have a heart to serve, I call you to, if you don't care about anybody but yourself, I call you to repentance today because that is a selfish, self-centered attitude. And that is indicative to me that you are either A, never touched by grace, or B, you forgot about what Jesus did for you. And if you're in here and you're not sure where you want to serve or you're not sure where God would have you serve, then I call you to ask God today to show you where is it, God, that you want me to serve. But I also call you to come and get plugged into this mentoring program so that way you can begin to build those steps and build those relationships where God wants you. And if, you're, and, and, and if you're serving with the wrong heart, I call you to repentance today. Asking God to forgive you. If you serve with a grudging heart, if you're not serving with the right heart, but you ask God to forgive you today. Stand to your feet and let's pray together. Bow your heads. If you're in this place and you do not know Jesus, you are in this place today and he is not the Lord of your life.
I ask you to pray to ask him to forgive you of your sins. I ask you to pray to ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. I ask you to pray today and ask him to cleanse you of unrighteousness and to help you to serve him from this day forward. And if any of these other things in here apply to you, you have the wrong heart when it comes to serving. You're not serving. You don't know where you want to serve. I'm going to pray this general prayer, but I ask you to really pray and really ask God to deal with your heart in this time. Father, we come to you right now. Father, as your sons and your daughters, my God, I come before you as, Lord God, one who has been called to serve your body. And Father, I just pray for your church today. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are serving, my God, but out of the wrong heart, out of the wrong motive. Maybe they're serving out of guilt, my God. Maybe they're serving out of a desire to earn something, my Lord. I pray that today that they would be able to repent and recognize, my Lord, that you've earned it all, my God, that they don't need to serve to earn forgiveness, Lord God, but that they are forgiven by you, my Lord Jesus. For those who are serving, my Lord, out of a grudging heart, oh, Father God, give us forgiving or give us repentance, my Lord, that we would recognize, dear Lord, that we have been bought at such a great price that we can serve you out of an abundance of gratefulness, my God. Father, I pray, dear Lord Jesus, for those in here who don't have a heart to serve, my God. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you grant them repentance today. Oh, that you would help them to recognize the abundance of your grace toward them, God. And Father, that you would begin to change our hearts. Father, I pray that we would serve based on the gifts that you've given us. And I pray for those in here, my God, today that may not know you. Heavenly Father, may they come to know you, Jesus. May they come to know you, Jesus. Father, may you draw their hearts under you. May you deliver them from their sin, my God. May you cause them to walk in a relationship with you today, God. Father, we thank you. And we honor you for this. We pray this all in Jesus' great name. Someone said? Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.